Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome to Argyle Chat, the Plymouth Argyle podcast brought to you by the Herald Sports Desk. Hello and welcome to this week's edition of Argyle Chat. Joining me today to look back on yet another fine win for Argyle is our football editor Chris Harrington. Hi Chris. Hello Stu. And a very warm welcome to our special guest Martin Gritton. Hi Gritz. Hello there. How are you? You you okay? I'm very good thanks. Very good. Uh, Yeah I had a good weekend and it was nice to see the boys play and win at Oxford. Yeah you're doing a bit of work for Radio Devon is that right? Yeah, that's correct. That's correct. I've done a few games this season, so it was it was nice to get the, the nod for that one, even though it was quite cold up in the uh, <laughs> in the stand. But um, that was a cracking day, cracking as well. Yeah. What other games have you seen this season then? So did uh, the opener of the season at Peterborough, uh, which was a tough game for Argyle. But I mean, even then we looked at it and, and said the side was, you know, if anything, maybe just a bit thin on the squad side. But the, the eleven that were, were starting were certainly good enough to compete. Um, so also. Um, uh, did the game away at uh, FC Wimbledon and when we won one nil, and it almost seems to be like a bit of a bookend to the last FC Wimbledon game because since that point the, the form's really picked up. Um, and then obviously get Oxford at the weekend, and I've, I've been to a couple of home games as well. Went to went to watch the Wigan game just with uh, some old old pals, and uh, it was it was it was a tough old day. That uh, uh, I guess we could tell Wigan were a good side. So away from football, then uh, what else are you? What, what else are you up to? Well, day to day, um, I work in PR up in London, and, and basically it's been about six years since I finished my career in 2012, um, and I've kind of tried to work towards the media, um, as, as, as Chris has probably seen and kind of emulate. Uh, I'd, I'd love to have gone into football journalism, but those guys um, just have it, have it very tough in terms of the amount of work they do and the amount of people doing it out there now. So um, there's, there's many ways of, of getting that, but I like working on the media side of things, particularly on sport if I can but we do a lot of consumer and lifestyle PR here which is which is really good fun interesting work um, and then just bits and bobs to broadcast on the side but that's more for, for a hobby than, than a profession yeah fair point Chris how about being a football journalist I'm, oh, glad, I'm, I'm, I'm glad Grit said that I'll, be, I'll give him the five quid next time I see him <laughs> Uh, as you both say though guys you're at the Oxford game on Saturday and you know this, this run's incredible isn't it Chris you know the way Argyle are just yeah, I mean, victory after victory right now. It, you, you almost have to sort of pinch yourself to, to you know, appreciate what's what's going on. I mean, I've, I've just written a piece uh, on Monday morning just looking at where Argyle have come from to where they are now. And, you know, Martin um, mentioned the AFC Wimbledon game, you know, and uh, you know, that was only their second win of the season when they when they won at Kings Meadow that day. And looking back to December the 9th, Argyle were, were bottom of the table. December the 9th, that's not that long ago. No. And uh, in that time, from now until then, 33 points from 14 games. And you know, Martin will tell you that it's an unbelievable, unbelievable record. It's two, nearly two and a half points a game they're averaging. And, and they've gone from bottom to seven. Um, and I think the good thing is, from my point of view, is that 
against Shrewsbury the previous Saturday, they played some really nice football. They played good attacking football again when they beat Wimbledon last Tuesday at 4-2. Played some really good stuff. And against Oxford, I think Grits would agree that they, they weren't at their best. They, they, they looked a little bit out of sorts, but they still had that resilience and ability to dig deep and they got their noses in front. And although it wasn't pretty, Grits, they, 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 they held on without too many scares, didn't they? Yeah, very much so. I think uh, that's, that's a really interesting point, is that being able to win ugly. Um, but, I mean, the conditions themselves didn't lend themselves to uh, it to be a pretty game. You know, it was one of those cold, sort of the pitch was hard, very bouncy. So it was, it was whoever could get get the best of that as quick as they could. And Oxford, I mean, Oxford aren't a bad team at all. They've got a lot of players that, are, that can threaten and, and cause problems, and they did that. But um, I think just the way that Argyll stuck to their task and were disciplined in, in both boxes um, was, was, you know, a credit to them. And, and like you said, Have you been in a, involved in a run like this, Grits? Obviously, you're a talkie in one promotion. Did you have anything similar where you went on such a run? Yeah, do you know what? We had a couple of cracking runs. Um, the, the best one at talkie was when, I think we, we went like seven or eight unbeaten, but we did it twice. Um, and what and Mike Bateson was pulling his hair out because he'd set the bonus schedule up to be an accumulator one. So <laughs> ended up, by the time that we were, I think we were at Oxford away, and we, went, I wasn't, we weren't on big bonuses because we were at talkie. But um, at the same time, which is quite funny, I think we, we lost the game and he came in and was celebrating in the dressing room because it meant he could go on holiday that year. <laughs> but I mean, you, you imagine being in the dressing room at the moment, Grits, um, you know, Argyle one defeat in 14, you know, 10 wins, three draws and a defeat from the last game. I mean, they, they must almost feel invincible. That belief doesn't it? I mean, uh, interestingly, Chris, I remember when you were up the gantry at the end of the game. I, I was stood next to the Oxford uh, journalists and the Oxford radio guys, and they were saying, they were, they were saying, well, look, Plymouth aren't anything remarkable. Plymouth aren't, you know, they're, they're just like us, only they're confident. And it was quite funny because it was almost a little bit dismissive. But it's that kind of um, that kind of underdog uh, opinion of people, are, are certainly underestimating that people seem to do it. Plymouth that has led them to be able to go on this run. I think that's remarkable. From to December to be put in the league to, to where they are now so I think the players within themselves and in the camp will be feeling you know either, uh, like undefeatable but at the same time you know they're there to be underestimated which means that fingers crossed they can they can push on It's interesting you make that point Gretz because at Shrewsbury the previous Saturday everyone I met Shrewsbury media the opposition manager said how well Argyle played and they were the best team that they'd seen at the New Meadow this season and, and that backs up my point I think that, that they've got Ability to play good attacking football, but when they had to play ugly and dig, dig deep, they did it on Saturday. Because I would agree, if, if that was the first time you'd seen Argyle play, you'd think, well, how on earth has that team gone on this fantastic run? But you can't you could, play well every week. Can no, you, you can't. So and and you know, you know, it's not a great analogy. But Manchester City don't play well every week, do they? They, no, they, they win every week, but they, but they don't play spectacularly mm. brilliantly. But you know, when you're on a on a run like this, you you've got to dig um, dig results out every now and then, and and, and they sure did that on uh, on Saturday. Yeah, do you think Argyle are now at a stage though where where people do have to start taking them seriously? I mean, as you say, they're only a point outside the playoffs. They've gone under the radar for so long. They were the sort of big talking point on mm. the goal rush on Channel Five on, yeah. on on Saturday night. So. Um, Perhaps now people are looking at Argyle and are going to start taking them seriously and perhaps change their formation and tactics to deal with Argyle. Yeah, well, I, I think well, from our perspective, if, if you look at the way um, that Derek shuffled his pack, though, I think there's, there's a few few ways he can play it. And also the, the, the emergence of Lemire is, is a foil for Carey and also a creative element to the team. 
for it. But because he's a midfielder, you can kind of try and nullify him a little bit easier than you could a striker, just because he's got a lot more work to do to get to the goal. Um, and I, it feels like um, there's a few more options for Argyle and Taylor. Um, Taylor did a really job up there on Saturday, but he's, he's done that before. And his kind of discipline as a striker, I was saying it on the radio, I was thinking he was getting a lot of decisions against him, but he wasn't showing the emotion, he wasn't showing frustration. And I think that's the real sort of maturity about his, his game that he's kind of developing because it is a thankless task sometimes. But you know, it can't go well for you every game, sent a man with no one else around you. But, um, but he did a great job Saturday. I was going to say that it's a role that you can probably identify with yourself. Obviously, you're a striker and play that kind of target man role. How difficult is it to be that lone striker sometimes? Well, I think I think it's one of those things where you might only get a few touch points in a game uh, or in a half where you've got to get hold of the ball and you've got to get your team up the pitch and help them out. And I think you can be just judged on those two or three moments, but they're that vitally important to the team that if you get them right, it can give you the confidence to go on. So, I mean, my scoring record would probably reflect that I was a target man rather than a, 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 than a, a regular finisher. But at the same time, the, the kind of your, your importance to the team is, is can't be understated because you know you, you've got a job to do. When you play up as a partnership, it's a little bit different, and you can get you know a little bit more out of the game personally. But um, but yeah, no, it's, it's 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 a tough job, but it's one that um, Ryan's actually got a lot more strength to his ball than just a target man. You know, he can go the other way. He's quick, um, and he's a good finisher. So um, I think the first game I saw him was at home to Exeter. Was it last season? Or was was that? Season? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It wasn't yeah. long after he signed from Oxford. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. It was, mm. and, and scored a cracking goal then, and another great carry through ball. But um, it's, it's little moments like that that you realise he's got more more about him than just being a big man up front. Yeah, and it goes to show his importance when you know when he was out the team, how much Argyle struggled without him. I'd, I'd say so. I'd say, um, and you know, the uh, uh, did, did, did a good job, and he came in on, on occasions. But there is uh, demands in League One in a certain level of you know. I think just being able to play up front and regularly get 90 minutes in, which is um, you know something that Ryan will, will obviously get stronger and stronger from now he's, now he's back there. Yeah, that's right. Uh, we put a request out for questions from our listeners, and as usual, we got plenty of responses. Mike's asking, how many points will our goal finish on this season? <laughs> Anyone got a crystal ball? <laughs> well, I did, I, did some, I did some maths. I did some crude maths. We came in, but thanks, Chris. Because the only thing I didn't have was how many points per game Argyle have been on for in the last few games. Because it would take, I think, what the last couple of seasons it's been 73 points would get you up into the playoffs, and then um, that would take like two points a game from Argyle, or just under two points a game now. And they're on 2.5 points at the minute. So if they can get anything between 69 and 73 points, I reckon they've got they'll get every chance of sneaking in the playoffs. But, I mean, that's still a tough order, but the fact that we're even discussing that is, is a lovely thing. Yeah, indeed. Certainly different to a couple of months ago when we were doing well, these we, podcasts. We're sat in the room here, and it doesn't seem that long ago we were sat here and you know wondering where the, the points were coming from. And yeah, I think it was seven points from the first fourteen games. I mean, it's it's, it's just just ridiculous. I mean, they're on fifty points. You know, fifty points, fifty two maybe secures you League One status. They've got twelve games to go. To my way of thinking, anything else from, from where they were in October to now, anything else that they achieve now is, is bonus time. Yeah. And, um, mm-hmm. um, you know, there's, there's no reason why they can't carry on. And they've played Blackburn, Wigan, Shrewsbury. They, they haven't, you know, they lost to Wigan, but they, they gave Wigan a good game that day. You know, they've proved that they, they, they can match any team in this division. They're full of confidence. You know, 
I'm not going to sit here and predict they're going to make the playoffs because they're, they're going to have to go some. Like Martin says, two, yeah. point, two points, two points a game over the rest of the season is going to be a push. But um, but it's, isn't it great to be even speculating about it? Yeah, another question from Drew. Uh, who has been your star player for Argyle in the last month? Anthony Sarsovic was a player you mentioned recently, Chris. Yeah, um, he's he's come really to the fore since uh, since the new year. Um, I think that the whole midfield trio have, have gelled really well. Um, if you remember, Tumani Diagaraga left uh, at the start of January, went to Fleetwood, and uh, I think there was quite a few concerns, uh, certainly among the fans, and I wouldn't be surprised if even among some of the players, and, and maybe even Derek Adams, you know, how would Argyle cope without him? And I think the trio of Sarsavik, Ness and, and Fox have been excellent in this run. I mean, you know, you could go around the whole team and, and pick out players and say they've played well, but I think the three of them gel really well. They've got different strengths um, and assets that they bring to the team. Sarsavik's got that driving run, runs from box to box. Uh, Fox is the, the sort of deep uh, holding player, pick a pass really well. And Jamie Ness, I, I, I think he deserves a lot of credit. You know, he, he's missed a lot this season with injury. He's come over that. He looks fit and fresh. He covers all over the pitch. He snaps into tackles. He's good on the ball. I think the three of them, I would say, have, have really given Argyle that platform to, to be strong defensively. But when they get the ball, they can also turn defence into attack quite quickly. Yeah. Who stood out for you, Martin? Yeah, I, I, I think that's a great point, Chris. Uh, it's, it's, you know, Graham Carey's always impressed me when I watch them. So, as I said, players that you expect to they just play at maybe a high level, but the ones that most important players are those ones, the heartbeat of the team, the kind of um, the workers. And, and it's quite ironic when I, when I went to Macclesfield back in, I think, Paul Ensign in like 2008, nine, I think it was, and um, Fox, Fox was just leaving Macclesfield and he was a young, like, winger from Man United, <laughs> you know. He was a creative player, went to play in the Premier League and you just, you know, so when he came to Argyle and I watched him on Saturday, just kind of the calm way that he marshals about get stuck in but as you said Jamie Ness is a great foil from the Jamie Ness putting a hell of a shift on Saturday he may not have got you know the, the plaudits in terms of being on the polar rock but he broke up an awful lot of play for them and Sarsovic again every time I see him he's always impressed me um, so it is a, it's, it's, it's another one of those ones where you underestimate those guys but it's a great chance for Derek uh, if, if nothing else happens this season it's been a great chance for him to see who can do a job for him in this league and, and know who will be players that he can build the club on for for the future yeah, and Chris mentioned uh, Diagaraga there. His move now, obviously, we, we understand the reasons why he left Argyle. He wanted to be closer to his family and what have you. But going to Fleetwood now, that doesn't look like such a good move with uh, Uwe Rosler being sacked. Yeah, well, they, these things happen, don't they? It's funny, it's one of those ones where it, it kind of was a good move for everyone uh, when, when he. And he came, he signed, he did a great job, he did put in a hell of a shift over that Christmas period when you need when you need players that are strong midfielders like and, and he did everything was asked of him left in good terms, which is brilliant. But that that happens in football and it's one of those ones where well, look, the guys have got an opportunity to come in and fill the spot and, and they've done so. So, you know, credit to them for, for going and doing that. But um to be honest, you know, focusing on our guy, I would say that um they, they they got a good they got a good spell out of him and uh, you know and they've managed to kind of um, get their guys back fit when they need them. Yeah, that's right. Uh, interesting question from Jack. He's saying Derek Adams has turned it round. As I said before, he has a good scout, good lad signed, and amazing luck. By default, he had to sign a new goalkeeper, but what a diamond he is! At the same time, Threlko came back with Ryan Taylor, and add to that Lemires, who he was prepared to let go out on loan. Will Lady Luck stay with him? 
It's been, been a bit more than just luck, though, isn't it? I'm not sure Derek Adams would agree. It was it was just completely luck. But I mean, the, the points Jack makes, um, you know, are, are valid. You know, they had to go out and get a goalkeeper, and you never know what you're going to get with loan mm. signings. You know, some work, some don't don't work. Remy Matthews has, has worked. Um, I thought he had a good game on Saturday, Grits. I mean, when there's quite a few crosses come into the box, he just looks so commanding when the ball goes in the box, don't you think? Crosses, punching? Absolutely, he's so calm. Yeah. I think I watched his debut at AFC Wimbledon. Yeah. I think they've been played 500 games. He was just you know, so relaxed. Um, and he gives the guys in front of him a lot of confidence. Um, I think he's a brilliant goalkeeper and, and he's got, he, he seems to have a great nature about him and, and really support for the club. And you know what, I follow him on social media and he's, 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 he comes across well on there. And, and, and I think, you know, he's professionally, he's done, he, I, I saw him the toughest game I had. I think I saw him at was at the Wigan game at home just because when they, you know, they were so clinical to finish, but it shows that it, it didn't affect him because he bounced back and put some great performances after. Yeah, but one thing that Jack does say is about Lady Luck. I guess he may be implying to injuries there. You know, the, mm. the key thing for our goal could be how they do if they get one or two injuries now because the team seems so settled. It's not a it's not a huge squad. You know, you no. wouldn't want too many injuries. Um, but you know, it's one of the cliches of football. We say luck tends to even itself over over a season, and there are some times when you think, well, I don't think the luck's going to even itself out this season, but. You look at the first part of the season, all the injuries Argo had, all the red cards they had, you know, there was a lot going against them. And now we've got a settled side, they're scoring goals, they're winning games. You know, I'm, I'm a big believer in confidence in football. It's, once you get some momentum going, you, you can be really hard, mm. to, really hard to stop. Yeah, that's a fair point. I think uh, we're luck again as well. That's, that's that Gary player quote, isn't it? The harder I work, the luckier yes. I get. It's yeah, 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 that's where I think that there's, yeah. there's no shortage of hard work going in and just from from Margot like you know, on and off the pitch I think Derek's got them well drilled so when, when this run came together a bit he wasn't you know not as surprised at just the quality and the performances that were, were putting in because he sees it every day yeah interesting now though that he's taking them out to Marbella for a couple of days is that something I'm sure you would uh, love to have had that when you were <laughs> a player Grits they didn't do that our darling Grits days I tell <laughs> no, you. I bet. they didn't they did not we would have been lucky to go to Butlins for the weekend <laughs> um, but no Chris filled me in on that I didn't actually know that that was something that he did last year so yeah. it, it, it makes sense for the for the guys to do it again and, and you know I hope, I hope it pays off too yeah. I mean Derek Adams Sonny Bradley made the point and I, I don't doubt this for a minute they're not going out there for a couple of days just to uh, you know get a soak up a bit of sunshine and uh, I, I'm, I'm sure that they'll be working very hard um, they did it last season uh, just after the transfer window it was a good way of bedding in the new signings um, before they played a home game against Exeter um, and I, I think it's a, it's a good idea if you can do it you know they've got 12 games to go um, you know just get everybody on the same page and then and then give it a right go and see where it, it takes them so um, I think it's a good a good thing to do I mean they've got a massive game on Saturday against Bradford yeah. now it's seventh Argyle eighth Bradford obviously you've got to be in the top six to get in the playoffs they're level on points I mean I was looking um, just one you know there's all sorts of stats you can throw out at the moment but when Argyle played at Bradford in the league on November the 11th they were 19 points behind Bradford in the table Bradford were third Argyle were 24th and now in the return match not much more than three months later they're level on points yeah I mean Bradford have had a few wobbles along the way, which has led to them replacing Stuart McCall with um, Simon Grayson. But Argyle have caught up a 19-point gap on that on Bradford, which is you know fantastic. Bradford, a big club, big crowds, yeah, big players. I mean, to catch that up in a short space of time is incredible. Yeah, and when you look at the facilities as well, that, mm. that 
are yeah. at the Marbella Football Centre, so oh, yeah. you can see why they want to well, go there. You've done a piece for online, haven't you? Yeah, um, it's fantastic. You know, it really does look good. And who was there last week? Uh, Liverpool were there last week, but mm. I mean, you only have to look on the website and see the teams that have been there. You know, you're talking about all the top clubs from England, Germany, France, even Spain. You know, they all go to Marbella for a few days during their winter breaks just to get a bit of sunshine and. And as a, as a player, isn't that, if you're a player, you're thinking, crikey, this, this club means business if they're sending us out on a trip like this. Mm. Yeah, there's definitely that. I think um, it, it, it's always an issue. It's not something that would make you, which way your decision-making, whether moving or not. But no. uh, as you say, the impression that it gives to, to, to everyone else, even, like, even when we went away in pre-season tours with Sturrock, um, you know, up to Dundee and other areas, and you just get to know every, you get to spend so much more time with your teammates and, and you know, build those bonds and those strength, you know, the strength of, of just kind of unity and addressing them. It's a really, it's a really nice, and um, it's a really nice thing to be able to do when you can do it. But um, you know, unfortunately, like not all clubs are able to. So it's good that Plymouth are, are, are creating and providing that opportunity. Yeah, and they're doing it at a very similar time to last year. You talk about the, the how big a game it is on Saturday, and of course, the exit of the game last year was such a big game in the campaign as well, wasn't it? If they could get a result on Saturday, what a springboard that would be. Mm. So um, it would really set them up for the rest of the season. So, you know, there's no midweek game this week. You know, they, they know their fixtures pretty much from now to the end of the season. And um, yeah, you know, go away, have a good time, you know, enjoy themselves, you know, work hard, work hard, play hard. And um, yeah. hopefully that will lead to a good result. Hopefully, no craving for a McDonald's as well. <laughs> no, absolutely. There was a lot. There was a lot of very funny comments on social media yeah, over the weekend, wasn't there? Um, after the Marbella trip was announced. So yes, yeah. hopefully no taxis involved. Uh, as I said, we have plenty of questions sent in. A couple here just for you, Grits. Mark Nichols, have you ever thought about getting into management? And if you have, which one of your previous teams would you like to take charge of? Do you know, management it never appealed to me. Just partly, probably because I moved around so much. You know, I moved around from club to club, and then at the end of my career, I was at Stockport when we had three managers in the space of three months. And the club, you know, Diddy Aman came in, Jim Gannon, and Ray Matthias. It was like it was just it just kind of soured my kind of outlook on, especially lower league management, because I think um, you kind of go into it from a coaching background and. and I, I hadn't done my YT any kind of professional club, so um, I kind of came into Plymouth straight from uni. So it, was, it, it never it never let that appeal to me, and also just the fact that um, the limited resources at some of the teams I was at, you know, kind of you're almost hamstrung by what you can do with the players and the team. So um, if I'd have stayed at a club for ten years, if I'd have stayed at Torquay and carried on um, uh, playing there, then you never know I might have got into something afterwards. But uh, as you see with some of the ex pros there, but but no, no not for me. He's too sensible, Stuart. Yeah, that's right. That, that's the short answer. <laughs> but your, your degree's in sport, though, isn't it? It was, yeah. I did a degree in sports science, um, and then I did the PFA, um, sports writing and broadcasting, during, during my time playing, which was really uh, really good. It kind of set me up for, for my work now. Yeah, but using that first degree you got, you never wanted to go into like the medical side of, of sport? No do, you know, no, do you know what's interesting? The guys that are on my course that, um, that kind of used it, things move so quickly. I mean, when I went to uni, I think Google had just come out. It was '96. <laughs> so, in terms of the developments online and the, the online resources and things like biomechanics, diet, nutrition, everything's changed completely. I mean, we used to get. Um, I mean, Kevin Hodges used to bring in. We had podiatrists with different people coming in and, and talk about biomechanics and, and you know uh, uh, just the thinking behind all of that. Uh, it's changed so dramatically, and also even the diet. I mean, Paul Maxwell was our physio and was always really kind of clued up on that stuff and. that's something that's key to kind of players development 
Yeah. Interesting question here. Who is your favourite strike partner and why? Thank you, Chris. Well, I think um, I'll certainly make it about our girl. So, um, I think my first professional strike partner would be Ace Dombridge, who is a good friend of mine, but also a phenomenal player. It's really technical. Um, and uh, I always, he always reminds me of this article that I think one of your rival papers, so I wouldn't talk about it too much, but um, Rick Howdry had written an article saying about Stoney. When we first played together, we, we had a lot of success at first, and he said Stoney was you know, calm, collected, and concise, or, and all technique, and uh, I was as gangly as a newborn foal, I think, <laughs> how he described me. And I always, but it, all, it seemed to work. We seemed to complement each other in the, in the few good games that we had together. Um, I really enjoyed playing up front with him. And uh, yeah, and I was lucky enough to live with, was living with Stoney and Kevin Wells, who, who was a great player that season that um, Argo went up. Yeah. Well, you might have noticed that we didn't have the name of the person who sent that question in. So I'll let you have one guess as to who sent that question in. Did Ian Stoney send that? <laughs> he did indeed, yeah. <laughs> so it's a good job you got that answer yeah, right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know what, that's, that's great. <laughs> uh, moving on then, another one from Jeff. You don't score too many goals for Argar, or you didn't score too many goals for Argar, but yeah. which was your favourite and why? Um, I, I, my first goal against Walsall, I just kind of, uh, just in terms of the finish, I, my first real chance at the start, and we got beat, it was it was like, it was a league cup, but um, I kind of chilled back onto my left and lifted it over the keeper, just from, you know, uh, it, was quite, it was quite a satisfying goal. And then, so, um, I suppose that one stands out in the memory and then also my, my league goals got two against Brighton on a, on a cracking afternoon a three each do you remember that one Chris? Yeah I do that was a fantastic game and Brighton were a good side at the time as well they were a good team weren't they so yeah, yeah I, I enjoyed those those really stand out and um, I, I suppose I take more away from Argyle than just, just my goals there but um, but yeah it was the, those two stand out yeah okay uh, Bobby a lot gets said about the banter and spirit in the dressing room who were the jokers when you were at Argyle and what tricks did they get up to? <laughs> when I when I first came in the dressing room, I was doing it during uni, so I was coming in, and there was just loads of <laughs> crazy old pros there. It was quite funny. We had like Jason Robottom, Simon Collins, Ronnie Moget. Those guys would just kind of up be up to all sorts of antics, and um, probably some that aren't, aren't repeatable <laughs> uh, <laughs> on the radio. Um, but, but Paul McGregor, um, I should Chris will probably remember being around the place at the time. He was he was just constantly laughing and joking. I think you can only be that confident and comfortable and He had great, he had great ability, didn't he, Grits? He was just—I mean, he, he must have been a character in the dressing room because he was certainly a character when you spoke spoke to him for press interviews. Yeah, I think he would just literally sit there and take the Mickey out of Martin Barlow's accent most of the most mornings, <laughs> and then just you come back from training and he'd done some stuff with everyone's clothes or, or like hanging up the worst item of clothing, which was generally the Graham Coughlin or I don't know Mickey Heathcote or someone like that. He'd hang up something in the dressing room and just try and wind people up, and all, he would generally get a reaction. Yeah, quite a good guitar player as well, wasn't he? Yeah, he was. Yeah, he was. He's still involved in music now. I think yeah. he was in a band. I used to go and see his band when I could up here, but um, yeah, he's a, he's a great guy. Still is. Uh, question from Dan. Uh, why did you leave Argyle and why did you, jo did you join Torquay? Did you have offers to go elsewhere? Um, I, I didn't have offers to go elsewhere. I think there was a couple of rumours about me potentially going to South End. I think when Dave Webb was up there and I played a reserve game that you all come to, but the Torquay one, the Torquay one was really really good but it was out of convenience of anything because they were they were taking a few players from us at the time there was a good win between the clubs if anything Torquay's success was also down to you know the fact that 
equipment for doing so well. So we took there was things like five of us who went there with myself, Jason, um, sorry Brian McGlinchey. Um, we had um, just a, a, like a good a good line of players coming through from Argyle, um, and it was just nice still being around. You know, I could live in Plymouth, I still kept in touch and, and live with the Plymouth guys, and you know I really enjoyed it. It was it was it was a good move for me after after going to. After going from Argyle, it, it, it seemed a little bit more of a, just a different kind of ethos there in terms of how they played. So it was nice to go into that. It was some team that you had there that second season. I think you won promotion from League Two, didn't you? Yeah, it was, it was frightening. And just the, the ability of those players. I think Roy McFarland had a really good eye for, for players in the lower leagues that, that, that kind of could overachieve. And, and guys like Alec Russell, Jason Fowler, David Graham, which is unbelievable. He was, yeah, he was a fantastic player. I know if Sturridge had got him, I think you know that could have been. Yeah, I think he would have been a, a hell of a signing for Plymouth. But I, I just think there was probably too much. Uh, there was too much, too much involved in it for Torquay to let him go to Plymouth. Yeah. You, you mentioned Paul Sturridge. You know what was what was it like playing for him? Because I, I, I think you were sort of at the club before he came in, and and when he came in, and part of the, the league title success. I mean, what was what was you know playing for him like? Because he, he he had his ways, didn't he? I mean, he took the club by the scruff of the neck. I think, you know, um, there's been a lot of tough times for Kevin Hodge. Kevin Hodge is a great guy, still is doing brilliant stuff at the club, but just in terms of the way Stark came in and wanted to manage it and just kind of changed everything to his way. Um, and for me, it was very, very tough. I mean, like, I'd gone from... I, I was still in a bit of a whirlwind coming out and, and into professional football, so double sessions every day just kind of ground me down in terms of... But what it also did was give me that, that YTS experience. I didn't do a YTS, which... from Sam Murray how hard was it juggling your football career with doing a degree um, it, it's an interesting one because I, I was uh, I was coming in on trial um, uh, during my, my school holiday or like uni holidays um, and so I kind of got to the point where I think Kevin Hodges would have liked me to sign on in my second year but I, I thought it was important to finish my studies um, partly because you know going in and not being a young guy I, I just didn't know how long the football would potentially last so I'm glad I, I saw it through I kind of you know, feel as though I might have missed a year of, of development at a club, but um, um, I think you know, I, I would always advise people to stay and get their studies done and, and try and, you know, get coming, coming away with something was probably more important than starting a football career at that time. And and not for, for Grits to blow his own trumpet, but for those that don't know, Martin made over 300 league appearances and got 60 goals. So, um, mm. you know, um, it, it, just because you, you got your education in, it didn't necessarily... You know, um, hold, him back. hold you back. I mean, who, who knows what would have happened if you'd taken another route, Martin? But you, you must be pretty pleased with the way your career turned out. Oh no, absolutely. Yeah, thanks. Thanks for reminding me, Chris. I certainly wouldn't wouldn't have liked to say that myself, but that's <laughs> nice, to, nice to hear. No, um, I, I think it was one of those ones where I, I just had you know so many great experiences and met so many you know different players that um, it's still nice to kind of get the opportunity to, to go and talk about it from time to time. But um, but yeah, no, I wouldn't change it for the world. Yeah, and you retired at quite a young age, really. I mean, you, I think you said six years ago, thirty-three. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I, it didn't feel like a young age. <laughs> it kind of, I think, one of those things where I kind of went and played for Truro just because Lee Hodges was manager and they were playing at a good standard. But you have to make, you have to make up your mind. You have to go right. I'm going to make a go of this career because at some point I'm going to 
going to need to put all my eggs in one basket and at, at, at the time I was kind of flirting with a bit of non-league football and to be honest I think oh, I can't remember who the manager was but I think I, I said to him when I was in, in my early 30s I was like going oh, which of the games just changed the game's just a lot quicker than it used to be and he said no it's not <laughs> it's not you it's a lot slower <laughs> so I think when someone says that to you you're like well you know it's only going to get more frustrating for me in terms of and I just have been lucky not, not to have any bad injuries so um, I got out I got out relatively happy and at the right time I think yeah do you miss playing at all? You know what, I do, I miss the absolute, when I go to the matches, like on, on Saturday, it just the, it stirs the old kind of feelings, and it's amazing how vivid your memories are, your games, I could, I could name every game I played at the Kazam, and, and the results there, and, and kind of just what, what that that game meant to that season, well, for the team I was playing, so it's really interesting that you have kind of this muscle memory of football grounds, and it brings me back to my playing days. Yeah. Fantastic. One last question for me, Martin. You know, you've done the, the commentaries for Radio Devon here. How, how do you find that? Does that sort of, you know, give you that little, little bit of involvement again in football that you, you enjoy? Yeah, exactly, Chris. I think that's the one thing that kind of keeps my hand in. Um, as, you, as you know yourself, I'm always impressed at the, the ability for those guys to commentate on a game on the radio and keep it kind of yeah. the speed at which they have. It's not easy, is it? Trying. No. It's not easy at all. So no. sitting there and painting a bit of colour to the game is, 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 is quite a nice task. Um, all in all, I don't know if I'd fancy the full time uh, com- the, the, having to lead the commentary, but certainly going and being able to add my, my top and sweat is good fun. Yeah. Have you got any more Argyle games lined up? Um, do you know what? I haven't checked out the fixtures list, but I, the guys at BBC Dead are more than happy for me to kind of um, pitch in when I can and, and help cover for, for Chris whenever he's not right. Well, we've got, we've got Fleetwood away in a couple of weeks, Chris, if you fancy that one. Uh, where's that? Fleetwood away. Fleetwood away. Do you know what? I think I'm busy that weekend. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, as we say, though, big game on, on Saturday, mm. Chris. Yeah. Martin, um, Bradford, how do you see that one going? For well, well, you know, it, it's, it's a fascinating game, isn't it? You know, there's such high expectations for Bradford. I think it's going to be... Simon Grayson's first game as manager. Is it really? I think so. Because oh, they didn't play at the weekend. Didn't play at the weekend. So, um, you know, it's Argyle won up at Valley Parade. So if they could get another win, complete the double over Bradford, that would be some uh, feat in its own right. Um, yeah, they're away in Marbella for the week. Hopefully they'll have a good week's preparation and uh, come out of the traps on Saturday and uh, and, and take the game to Bradford. It's, uh, it's going to be fascinating. Um, if, if Bradford are, are, are going to turn around their form, they're going to need to start putting points on the board and get themselves back in the playoff places. So I, I can't see either team playing for a draw, that's for sure. No. Final word from you then, Grits. How, how do you see it going on Saturday? Yeah, right. Well, do you know what? The one thing that we, we haven't talked about is just the fans, the kind of the, the away fans are a great voice, but I, I remember what it was like with the home fans getting behind the team, and, 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 there's, and it's great to see them flock into the games at the minute. So I'm sure they can be a big influence uh, for Plymouth if they're going to be taking on and want to be. Bradford, so fingers crossed. Yeah, I think there'll be probably around 15,000, you'd imagine. Uh, it'd be a big crowd. Yeah, be a big crowd, I'm sure. Yeah. That's right. Well, that's all we've got time for this week. Thanks ever so much, Grits, for, for coming on and joining us. My pleasure. My oh. pleasure. Good to speak to you guys. Yeah, hope you enjoyed it. <laughs> I did. And Chris, thanks to you two for no, joining me on the show. Uh, thanks to you out there for listening as well. We'll be back next week with more of the same. Bye-bye. <laughs> We are always happy to hear from you, and if you have any questions for our panel, please tweet them to our Twitter account, at HeraldPAFC, or visit our Facebook page, Plymouth Argyle The Herald. Thanks for listening.